0: I was gonna say she didn't do the thing all right there we go so the live is basically for those who want to ask questions or whatever and every once in a while we actually get questions like I had a whole six people on my last one I will have you know
1: very nice
0: (laughs) yeah so the live is just it's so funny because I get way more views on the YouTube than I do oh oh since you've been on we are actually up to like eighteen hundred.
1: Oh, that's very cool.
0: Yes. So it, it is. It, it's kind of neat. Um, so I am going to make sure the volume is down, but I want to be able to see the live chat in case people, you know, ask anything or we want to say hi or whatever. So, okay. Now that we are recording, you've done this before. Are you ready?
1: Yeah. Okay. Good. You know
0: how ridiculous and obnoxious I am. So that's not a problem for you. <laughs> All right. <clears throat> Here we go. Hey everybody, welcome to another edition of the recovery scene. I am your host, just a mom with a podcast. I'm Leslie. And tonight we are continuing our kind of, I hate to say, where are they now? That just sounds so VH1, but kind of, or where are they now? You might remember Sam Lindley from Good Kid, Local Kid. He was on here about a year ago, give or take a couple of months. And I asked him if he wanted to come back and lucky us, he said yes. Uh, And Sam, you know, what I was thinking we could do is give us a recap of your story. You know, you don't have to go into as much detail as you did before. Um, If you guys want to see like the full on version, like I said, just scroll back through the videos, look for good kid, local kid. And that's, that's Sam. He's got one hell of a story, by the way. Um, but just give us kind of the cliff notes version recap of your story. And then what we wanted to get into is where you are now and how things are going. And I don't want to give it away. You know, I don't want to give everything away, but you know, Sam and I have a whole discussion planned for tonight, (laughs) you know, based on where Sam is right now. Um, so I am going to hand it over as I always do. And Sam, go ahead and take it away.
1: Thank you very much. And uh, thank you for having me. So uh, sort of the cliff notes version of my story I was born and raised uh, in a suburb outside of Boston, Massachusetts. Um, very normal upbringing. Um, my mother is in recovery as well, as well as my grandfather and my uncle. So it's it's generational, runs in the family for sure. Um, started experimenting with drugs and alcohol when I was about probably 12 or 13, maybe even younger. Um, and it was just like a instantly it clicked. Like it was like the, I had arrived moment. I, I just felt like everything was easier. Like I've really bad anxiety. So just like any social situation where I could have drugs and alcohol, it was, it was just much easier. And, um, it continually progressed and progressed very quickly. And, uh, so I was using throughout high school and then, uh, got into my dream school in North Carolina. And I thought that this was like going to be the be all end all. Like this was, this was the road that was set out for me. And uh, I got there and within a week later, I was, I was violently in the grips of addiction. I, uh, I wasn't going to class. I was using drugs all the time. I was drinking all the time. And uh, it sort of spiraled out of control. And uh, I uh, ended up withdrawing from school. And I, at the time I thought it was going to be for a month. I was like, cool, I'll go to rehab, whatever, be out for a month, go back to school. That is not what happened. Um, I went down to treatment in Cape Cod, Massachusetts, uh, and got sober down there. And then, uh, I was all, I tell this story because it's just one of my favorite stories about my own recovery, not to sound like boisterous about it, but, uh, no, my a mother. good
0: recovery story is a good recovery story. I mean, we my, all have them. It's fine.
1: <laughs> I remember I was sitting in the rehab van with all my buddies that I'd made at rehab, and we we're all going to go to this sober house. I remember the name of it. It's Old Silver in Falmouth, Falmouth, Massachusetts.
0: Old and Silver. I
1: old Silver.
0: Oh, Silver! It's <laughs> like yeah. Old Silver. Old that silver. is so perfect.
1: And I remember I was, I was so excited. I was like, this is, this is going to be the new like road, road to recovery. Like, and I just remember my mom pulling up the driveway being like middle of winter, bear in mind being like, you're moving to Vermont. And I was like, it was like a record scratch. I was like, wait, what? She's like, you're moving in with your uncle in Vermont. And uh, it was the best thing that could have ever happened to me. I uh, moved up to Vermont. I ended up I was like, okay, I'll be here for three months. Like my mom was like, give it three months. And if you don't like it, you can come back to Massachusetts. And I was like, I'm going to hate this place. Ended up loving it, made a lot of great connections in and out of sobriety. Um, a lot of lifelong friends, great jobs. And uh, then probably about two, almost two years ago. Now I moved to uh Nashville, New Hampshire where I'm currently living. And uh, I was working in recovery for a little bit. And uh, now I just recently got a new job, but uh, we will talk about that later on.
0: Right? Yeah, that's really cool. I think it's funny how a lot of us get into recovery and end up working in recovery. You know, it's, I, I really think that recovering addicts are the most generous people. Because we really feel like, hey, I got this. And now I want to give it to somebody else. You know, I, I, I really want to share it. And I think that's so interesting. And one thing that I want to share with people and, you know, this is kind of a different interview, but I want to make sure that we put this in here because it's in almost every single interview. And I think it's really important to reiterate is I believe you were one of the many, many people that I interviewed who said I was not comfortable in my own skin. I did not like, oh, 100%. Was, you know, and that's where in comes in. Cause we don't like ourselves. How can we fit in with other people?
1: Exactly. Exactly. And I think that that's still something I struggle with. And, and, uh, we will definitely, definitely get into that. But, uh, it was definitely one of those things where even as a young child, like I can remember being like five years old on the playground, feeling like I'm not the same as other kids. Mm-hmm. I didn't never knew what it was until, uh, till I got the treatment really.
0: Right. Right. So we've been through treatment. Now, how long ago was this? How, how far into your recovery are you?
1: I am six years sober being sober. Yeah.
0: Wow. That's awesome. So, so tell us about how things have been going in recovery.
1: I mean, as the title says, uh, things are good. I want to just stress that like everything's fine I'm fine um, but there definitely are days that uh, are tough like um, I work a very labor-intensive job now I'm now doing epoxy flooring which I absolutely love the company I work for is amazing my boss is amazing my co-workers are amazing but it's really labor intensive so it's it's been a lot of going to work coming home making dinner going to bed and I mean that's not necessarily where I saw my life but it's not necessarily a bad thing it's I'm very um I think I said this in the previous interview, but uh, I had a friend who who has since passed away. He he said he wanted to always live the AM radio life. He wanted just like the mellow, sort of go with the flow kind of life, and that's that's where I'm at right now. And it's it's a beautiful thing. In the, it's simplistic, but it's also it leaves room for me to sort of explore new hobbies and do new things and the weather's getting nicer in new england so i'm able to go for hikes and stuff like that like it was 70 degrees today i ended up getting to go to the beach which was super nice with uh my parents dog and that was just it was just good reflection time
0: right now you know um people have this misconception like (sighs) Days are hard when yes. we're using. Now, believe me, any hard day in recovery, to me, to me, is so much easier than my easiest day
1: when oh, well, i was using. 100% agree with you on that.
0: You know, but I, now that being said, that doesn't negate the difficulty
1: oh, of, yeah, no. of
0: life. You know, so. life,
1: still, life still goes on, whether you're sober or not. And it's like sobriety definitely makes it easier, but there's still going to be things in life that are hard. And I think that was that was one of the things that like I was convinced as soon as I walked into treatment, like, but a bada boom I'm out of treatment, everything's going to be sunshine and rainbows. And uh, I got hit hard with reality that like most day, I'm going to say it like most days are great. Most days I'm, I'm, I really enjoy my life, but then there's those days that are super hard. And, uh, the beautiful thing is I now know that I don't have to use your drink during those days.
0: Right. So when those days show up, like you posted something on Facebook and I posted you a picture of pies to make you feel better. Yes.
1: That was very <laughs> sweet of you, by the way. Those look really good.
0: You're welcome, they were. So, you know, and and that is, you know, people think, oh, social media, social media. Social media get, does get a really bad rap, you know. Yeah. But social media is the place where people go to meet and chat and, you know, get the local gossip and, and whatever. And it's also a place where we can go, hey, everybody who actually cares, this is what's happening and people will post pictures of pies or their dogs or yeah. you know whatever and, and make you feel better. So it is actually a coping skill. It can be, people don't realize yeah. this, you know? So when aside from, you know, and, and guys, the, the noise you're hearing, you'll see the beehives on this side and the rabbits are back here. It's a menagerie over here. So anyway, <laughs> my husband tried to remind me to uh, turn the water bottles. Guess who forgot? So <laughs> Sorry. The point is, um, I, I digress. What was I saying? All oh, right. So when things get bad, you know, when you're having bad days, what do you do? You know, and while you're answering this, I'm going to change this water bottle.
1: <laughs> um, I think the number, number one thing for me is reaching out to other people, seeing what I can do to help other people, like getting out of my getting out of myself and realizing that like, Hey, like I may be having problems today, but they may not be as big as other people's. And, uh, everybody's going through something like every day, someone might be going through something you don't know. So it's just, whether it be like reaching out to a friend or just a random act of kindness, like it doesn't have to be anything like grandiose. It could just be like holding the door open for somebody is like just a way to sort of, when I get in that sort of feeling, I try to do whatever I can to sort of get out of myself and see how I can be of service to other people. But how I do. Important, think,
0: how important would you say surface, surface, service to other people is?
1: I think. I mean, I can only speak for my own recovery, but I think vital part because it really does show you that, like, you're not not trying to like minimize my own problems but like being able to be there for other people is just such a great feeling because for so long I wasn't able to do that like I was even talking about it with my sister uh today because I'm home at my uh, parents house and uh it was like I took her for a coffee today and she was like I really appreciated that like I don't think you've ever done that and I was like I've definitely taken you for a coffee before and she's like no and it's like, it's not a huge thing, but it was just something that I could do to sort of get out of myself, like realize that like the world doesn't revolve around me. I'm not the center of the universe. And that like, even when it seems like it's not going to be okay, it, it is going to be okay. Because I have these tools in my tool belt that I can use each and every day. And I just got to make it through today tomorrow's a new day.
0: Right. Right. And I, I think connection is really important. Oh, hundred well. percent. Having people that you connect with and, you know, people that you can talk to and go to. And, you know, even if it's people that you can sit around and do nothing with.
1: Yeah. Oh yeah. No, I have a bunch of friends that like our favorite thing to do is uh, one of my good friends. I'll give him a shout out, uh, shout out, uh, Ed, he, uh, me and him just watch Marvel movies, and like he collects comics and just tells me about comic book stuff, and we go to shows together. Like whatever it is, it's like our favorite thing to do is sit down and watch just either really good movies or really bad movies, and just we we talk through it the whole time. And uh, it's just the funny. It's like I had the most fun doing that because there's no pressure of like conversation or anything like that. Like we could sit in complete silence and it would be okay. But, uh, it is, it is about the connection with other people, I think is, is vitally important in recovery. It's just having, having your people is like, it doesn't matter. It's like, I always say like, I don't have a ton of friends, but the friends I do have would show up at my house at three in the morning if I called them and needed them.
0: Right. Right. And, um, you had said some, Oh, what did you just say? We talked about sitting around doing nothing and then, Oh, right. Mystery science theater 3000. Great show. Oh, so yeah. If y'all have not watched that, especially those of you in recovery, if you want to watch bad movies and laugh through the entire thing, that.
1: Oh. It's very, it's very yeah. funny. I will laugh for it.
0: <laughs> very good. Very good. Um, so yeah. So aside from connection, when we let let's say that, you know, when we get into recovery, suddenly we have to deal with emotions. Yeah. And we haven't had to deal with emotions, you know, all this time because we masked them or we escaped them or we medicated them away, what have you. Um, so when we finally have to deal with emotions, it's not an easy thing. So when you can't get a hold of anybody. And those emotions are going off and you're just thinking, God, you know, this is not the way I thought my life was going to turn out or, you know, this, this just isn't the road that I thought I was going to go down. What do you do?
1: I'm a big meditation guy. Um, It was something that took me a long time because I'm viciously ADD. So (laughs) it was definitely something that, that took me a long time. I actually read this book. Um, I'm blanking on the author's name, but it's called May I Sit With You. Um, and, uh, it really did change my life. Like, I know it's kind of corny to say like, oh, this book changed my life, but, uh, meditation has been such a great tool of mine that, uh, just being able to clear my own head. And I mean, I've definitely, I'll admit that I've been struggling with it currently of just being able to sit with self, but that, that is one of the greatest gifts of sobriety is being able to sit with self and like being okay with the person I am today. Um, but definitely meditation, writing, um, just writing stuff down, just get kind of getting it out is, is another great tool that I like to utilize as well.
0: Right now. Um, another thing that I wanted to ask you about is, so we've talked about connections. We've talked about emotions, reactions. Do you do, like, I practice the pause because if I don't practice the pause, I will shoot from the hip. You know, I will send that email, send that text. And then I will absolutely regret doing it because I was, you know, such a emotionally driven individual.
1: I am the worst at reactions. I am, uh, I will call myself out on it right now. I am very reactionary and it's something I need to work on. The pause is great. Definitely need to practice it more
0: <laughs> for those who use it.
1: Yeah, <laughs> definitely, definitely need. I need to pr- practice it more because it, it's. I mean, in my recent life, I've I've been uh, again calling myself out. I've I've been very reactionary, and it, it's not not necessarily gone well.
0: Yeah, and I think that's another thing that you, people in general. You, You know, this is this is an interview between recovering addicts, but I think people in general need to call themselves out more. You know, we need to hold ourselves. It's great to have accountability partners and people who will hold you accountable. But I think it's really important for us to call ourselves out and hold ourselves accountable, because I mean, just recently I did not practice the pause and it exploded in my face. (laughs) You know, shocker, because I am very Reactive. And mm-hmm. I don't think so. I will do that thing where I will type out the entire text and delete it. Yeah. Because I feel better now that I've typed it out. What do I care? I don't have to exactly. see it. Exactly. You know, or I will talk to somebody else as though I'm talking to that person I'm upset with. And they know that I'm not upset with them. I'm just talking as if, you know, yeah. and, and, I think that's really helpful. I think everybody should practice the pause.
1: <laughs> right. oh, well, 100%, 100% agree with you. I, I definitely need to take it into consideration more instead so of just because the first thing that comes out is usually not the right thing.
0: Right, right, exactly. So, you know, when we talk about how everything isn't just unicorns and rainbows, the minute we get into recovery, we still. People think that once you get clean, that's it. Yeah, you're good. That's the big misconception of recovery, and there is so much Uh, more because they don't understand that we don't know. We we don't know how to deal with life like normal people deal with life. You know, at all.
1: It's. I remember another great recovery story. Is uh, I remember calling a sponsor, my first sponsor, and I was in the grocery store. I was 18 years old. And I was sobbing, like absolutely sobbing. And he's like, what's wrong? I'm like, I don't know how to buy groceries. Like, I I didn't know, like, it was a weird because I like, when I got clean and sober, I was so young that like, it was still trying to figure out how to be an adult, but it was also just basic life things I probably should have known how to do. I had to learn, Mm -hmm. like even just interacting with people, like how I interacted with people. I was such a, such a jerk. And they thought I knew everything. And it's like, dude, you're 18, living in a sober house in Vermont. You clearly haven't figured it out yet. <laughs> right.
0: <laughs> yeah. You know, something's gone wrong somewhere. Yeah. But yeah. And, and I always envy that, though. I always envy that, you know, those who are so young because you have so much time to to learn. You, you know, you're you're actually you were actually still in that, you know, age group where you're supposed to be learning this stuff. Yeah. You know, which was really fortunate. You know, it really was.
1: No, I'm, ex- I'm extremely grateful that, uh, I got sober so young and like realized that I had a problem that young and I extremely grateful is an understatement. Um, I think I had a lot of good people around me and a lot of great people around me in early recovery, a lot of people that would call me out and hold me accountable. Like you said, like, I remember there was, um, there was a guy I lived with who would just routinely call me out. And I was like, this guy's such a jerk. And then someone pulled me aside and they're like, dude, you're kind of being an asshole. <laughs> and, uh, and like, I realized that he wasn't being a jerk because to be a jerk, like he was being a jerk because he cared. And I'm, I'm forever grateful for him because like, he really like instilled in me, like, be kind to other people because you never know what they're going through.
0: Right. Right. Now, um, recently, you know, you, you actually said, we we touched on this time a little bit, but recently you said that, you know, things, things are good, you know, things, things are okay in your life, but you know, you've kind of been going through it. and and whatever and so I'm assuming that while you've been going through this you know you've been doing things like taking your sister out to coffee and reaching out to friends and you know whatever and you know is there can you expound on that at all as far as like give us an example I guess of and and you don't have to go into like your personal business but you know when give us an example of what goes wrong. And as a recovering addict, how do you deal with it?
1: Definitely. I think, um, a lot of it is my relationships with other people, whether it be friends or romantic. Um, I've had some falling outs with friends. I had a relationship that didn't end, um, necessarily the way that I would, I would have liked it to. Um, but I think realizing that, It might not be the, like, I know this sounds crazy, but it may not be the right time to say sorry. Is like taking a step back and like really like thinking before I go into the situation of like with those friends that I've had a falling out with, like how I should have approached the situation differently and like realizing where I messed up, like looking at my part in it, I think has been, it's, it's incredibly tough because no one wants to admit they're wrong but uh right sort of sort of whether it be writing it down or just talking to other people um have been like the two big ones of how to have how been getting through this stuff is uh a lot of writing um and uh reaching out uh, my buddy ed's probably sick of hearing me talk about all of this stuff because like, i called him so many times i call him like every day uh, uh him and my buddy justin uh, but, uh, it's just, I think surrounding yourself with good people is really important is people who one, everyone I have in my life holds me accountable. And I think that's, that's the huge thing is I don't, I can't think of a single person who doesn't hold me accountable. And that's the kind of people I want in my life. Like if I'm messing up, I want someone to tell me like, Hey dude, you're messing up. And, uh, it's really this like community that I've built around myself that has been uh, so vital to my sobriety. It's like having good people, whether they, they're people in recovery or people not in recovery. It's like, even my friends that are quote unquote, like normies uh, are just, they still hold me accountable. Like they're like, dude, you're, something's off. And uh, I just, I can't hit the nail on the head any more than like just the pe- people like the sense of community is so important because for so long I felt like I didn't fit in and now now even though like things are going things are tough right now finding those people that like genuinely care about me and would show up at my house at three in the morning if I call them is so helpful
0: Right. I mean, I talk about that a lot. Your support system, your community. I mean, I think just in general, you know, I I really think everything that we're talking about tonight can absolutely bleed over into quote normie life. Yeah.
1: Oh, 100%.
0: Everybody needs people that they can talk to. You know, and as long as, and like you said, they don't have to be in recovery. As long as they respect the fact that you are, you know, that's what counts. And and it's yes, it's holding people accountable, but it's also people who can pick up on when something is off. Yes. Um, You know, something else that you said. That's another thing where we learn to to admit when we're wrong. But then we get mad because that person isn't ready for us to say we're so like, excuse exactly. me, I am here trying to say I'm sorry. And so now I'm mad all over again because you're not ready on my time.
1: Yeah. Six, oh, yeah. No. And that's that's 100 percent where I've been firing at the hip is is uh, that exact situation of like me ready to like go in there and be like, you know what? I'm so sorry I messed up and the person's not ready to hear it. Right. I need to understand that, again, the world doesn't revolve around me. And uh, I need to understand that it, not everything's going to come on my time. It's not all about me.
0: Right. Right. Like, you know, we hear a lot, you have to let people be where they are. And and we hear this regarding most of the time addicts, but it's in general, you know, you have to let people be where they are. And if this person isn't ready for the makeup conversation yet, or maybe even not, and, and we have to be ready that we might not even be making up. We might just be clearing the air so that, you know, exactly. stuff isn't weird later. There might not be any making up, you know, um, but yeah it's if especially if we're in the wrong we 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 just have to wait like you know when you're ready i'm ready to you know apologize and everything but you know and, and that's something be, i had a hard time with
1: and also be okay with the fact that they may never be ready
0: right right
1: and that's okay and i think ah. that's that's something i have a really hard time with because it's like as soon as like, it's just instilled in me in recovery. like, as soon as I mess up, I want to like go make amends Mm -hmm. and just like be like, Hey, sorry, I messed up. And like understanding that that there are some situations that I messed up so bad that I may not be able to, to write them. And that, although it's tough, like I have to be okay with that.
0: Right. Right. Making peace with the fact that I know I messed up. I know I would very much like to make it up to that person, but they have decided because at some point, you know, and this is not taking the blame off of us or the responsibility off of us, but at some point it becomes that person's decision that they don't want to hear our apology. So if they don't want to hear our apology, now that's on them and we have to accept it and let it go. And, And I think the letting go part is really hard for a lot of us.
1: Oh yeah, Yeah. I mean in every aspect of life.
0: We tend to be kind of obsessive.
1: Oh yeah, oh yeah, (laughs) just a little bit.
0: (laughs) You know, we want something. We'd like it yesterday. Thank you. Yep.
1: Yeah. It's it's either one hundred and ten percent or nothing.
0: Right. Right. And I think
1: that's that's the tough part about it is is finding the balance between those two.
0: Yeah. Yeah, and you know, understanding that the rest of the world isn't necessarily like that.
1: Yes, yes, I think that's that's the hard part about relationships in general, whether it be romantic or friendships. Is like my own self centeredness comes into play, and I just assume that everybody thinks like I do.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: And then when it's when they're like, "Whoa, whoa, whoa what are you doing?" And I'm like, well, don't you think the way I think?
0: And and if and like, so, and if not, why?
1: Yeah, exactly, exactly, <laughs> exactly, exactly. It's definitely it's definitely a struggle, but I think, um, I mean, as I get older and longer I stay sober, I think realizing that like meaningful relationships are vitally important to life. I think that's yeah. sort of like the, t- the tile of, of this this uh, conversation is like, these people are people that are going to be with me for life. And I know that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And I think that's a wonderful gift that comes with recovery as well. You know, when when we were using, we had friends and they would be around. And as long as the drugs or the alcohol or the money was around, they were around. But the minute that stuff ran out, that was it. You know, we didn't hear from them again. And so it's almost like we become very good at finding Almost like, almost like how we could sniff out the people that had the drugs and could provide everything. Now, all of a sudden in recovery, we take that talent, if you could call it a talent, and we turn it into an actual talent where we can almost sniff out the people who really are loyal and really yeah. want to stick around. And, you know, and I think it's because we've had so much of this. We hone in on this. And that's where that, you know... Um, kind of all guns locked obsessive focus really comes in handy because we can find these people. And once we find them, we're like, okay, I'm not screwing this up. (laughs) And if I do, I'm going to apologize immediately. You know, I'm going to fix
1: it. (laughs) I I think that's, that's the thing is just sort of realizing, uh, when the right time to apologize is
0: right. Right.
1: Because, because like how our brains work is like, second it happens we're like whoa, whoa, whoa like as soon as you realize that you messed up you're like I need to go apologize right now I don't right because this is
0: valuable to me I want I want to save it
1: yes exactly you know? exactly and it doesn't matter what time it is it's like I've sent emails or texts at like two in the morning and been like I look like a crazy person
0: <laughs> because it's like I I really don't think that. Uh, somebody who hasn't been in addiction or or some similar uh, emotional you know capacity understands like the
1: panic you know yeah no it's something
0: good and you realize you've screwed it up
1: oh yeah no I think that the instant panic and it's it's fed into my own anxiety yeah and uh I mean, that's that's the main thing I've been struggling with really recently has been been my my own anxiety, whether like it be situational or just like stuff that's going on in my life. Um, It's sort of realizing that, like, not letting it control me. And realizing that, like this, it's all made up in my head. I'm just it's it's that panic that you talked about. And in, uh-huh. in, in like the weirdest situations i'll be getting into the work truck with guys that i've worked with for the last month they all know me we're all friends and i'm freaking out for no reason <laughs> we're great. going to do the same thing we do every day
0: mm-hmm.
1: and like if i mess up no one's going to care like they're we're going to fix it obviously but like no one's going right, to yell but at Your me. brain
0: goes, but this time they might.
1: Oh, yeah. This time they're going to flip out. I'm going <laughs> to get fired. And it's like, no. They're going to come over and be like, hey, you, you messed this up. Fix it. And right. then we'll fix it. We'll move on.
0: Right. I, the worst case scenario in real life is never as bad as the worst case
1: scenario. In oh, real yeah. Life. No. I think like the hyper fixation on things especially for for addicts and alcoholics is like it's almost like I don't want to say it's like tenfold for us because I mean there's people with anxiety disorders right. and things like that. but I think we hyper fixate so hard on certain things that if it's not exactly how we imagined in our heads we freak out
0: <laughs> right and I, I'm I'm laughing because I've been there it's not necessarily because it's funny it's just like oh yeah yeah
1: no yep
0: yeah exactly because and and you know any other addict who you know is going to watch this interview is going to be doing the same thing like yeah <laughs> yeah like I just freaked out about a b and c today yeah
1: I'm- it's like he's sitting in the left seat when he usually sits in the right seat. What's going on? Am I getting fired today?
0: Right. It's like, like,
1: that's how quickly my brain jumps from like one extreme to the other. There's like no rationality between it. But like, right. that's that's where my brain goes every day. Like I wake up and the drink that I thought I left in the fridge isn't there anymore. Someone break into my house? Am I going to die? Like, right. it's just- We
0: build things up into so much more than they actually are most of the time. And and that's another hard thing because then it's really difficult for us to differentiate between the appropriate time. Because with my luck, somebody will actually invade our home and I'll write it off as my own paranoia.
1: Oh yeah, exactly. Because that'll be the one time where I
0: should be freaking out.
1: Yes, ex- exactly. There's there's definitely been situations in the past couple months where it was just like I think I'm feeding too much into this. I'm just freaking out, I'm starting and then it ended up being something that was like actually serious. Where I'm like, "Oh, this person's just mad at me, it'll be whatever." And then like they don't talk to me for 3 days, and I'm like, "Oh, wow, I really messed up."
0: Yeah. And, and so that's like that. the the other side of that coin.
1: Frustrating. Yeah. Yes. You know. Because and then your brain sort of plays the flip-flop of like, should I really freak out about this? Or is this something I shouldn't freak out about? Right. There's no like, sort of like <laughs> medium cautious way.
0: And then and it almost makes it worse. Cause you're like, oh, see, see, should have freaked yeah, out. Yeah,
1: exactly. Exactly. <laughs>
0: exactly. So now you've just taught yourself, well, I should be freaking out about everything. <laughs> Cause if I freak out about everything, then I won't miss, you know, I won't miss anything. It's like, it's it, it's 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 really difficult you know like we said people think that once an addict stops using it's like oh well good you know you've got oh, it all yeah. taken care of and it's like no yeah, you don't great. understand what's going on
1: <laughs> oh yeah no you still you got rid of the drugs and the alcohol that's great 100 percent. congratulations but now you got to deal with this and this is 10 times scarier right Because when I had to take a look at myself and, like, realize that, like, I'm not the person who I thought I was and, like, look back at all the stuff that I've done, that was the scariest part. Like, don't get me wrong. Kicking drugs and kicking alcohol, awful. Would not wish it on anybody. Right. But the scariest part was when I had to take a look at myself. Because for so long, I didn't like myself. And it's still something I struggle with. Mm -hmm. But... It progressively gets better each day
0: yeah yeah but
1: that that was by far one of the hardest parts of sobriety for me it was sitting down with another human being and taking a look at myself
0: mm-hmm. yeah and, and and having to interact with other human beings without you know being in an altered state because oh you yeah. know i didn't know how to fit in with you then
1: yeah the exactly <laughs> It was. It's like the extremes thing. It was either I was extremely belligerent and I fit in with you guys because you were also getting belligerent or it was like I was sober and I didn't know how to fit in with you. So now I'm back to square one of where I'm sober and I feel alone and I have to figure out how to not feel alone. And I mean, it it's something that like, it needs continuous work. And it was like, I thought off the rip, like I was going to get sober. And then like, boom, the next day it's like, I'm cool. I can talk to people. It's like, no, that's not how this works.
0: No, it no takes you're work. still awkward.
1: <laughs> yeah. Oh yeah. I'm, I mean, even to this <laughs> day, six years in, I'm still awkward. I'm still weird.
0: <laughs> Me too. But like
1: I've learned it to accept it. Yeah. It never goes away, but I've learned to accept it.
0: Right. Because weird and awkward is the new cool. I just want to put that out there for everybody watching. Like awkward is the new cool. You're awkward during, during small talk. Cool, it's fine. So is everybody else like, don't worry
1: about it's it. Like a, I remember starting a conversation. I forget how long ago this was, but I was like, what's your favorite breakfast cereal? And they're like, first of all, that's the coolest question I've ever been asked as like an intro question to meeting somebody. And I was like, it was just word vomit. It's super weird for me. And this was like in a professional setting. Like I remember it was in a, and I was like, what's your favorite breakfast cereal? And he's like, so caught off guard. Mm-hmm. But um
0: awkward is the new cool. I'm going with this and I like it. Yeah.
1: I support I support the uh, the movement.
0: (laughs) I'm gonna make shirts. (laughs) I have swag. (laughs) Awkward is the new cool. Oh my gosh. There's actually a better, there's a sweatshirt and it says (laughs) it's awesome because it says, sorry, I'm awkward, and then really small, sorry. (laughs) There's something so funny about that. It's That's the little, true. sorry, that makes it sorry. awesome. <laughs> sorry. <100%. laughs> yeah. And, you know, it's just, I think it really all comes down to accepting yourself.
1: Yes. It, learning exactly... who you are.
0: You yeah. know, you, we have to learn who we are first because we have no idea. Yeah. And then just going, well, okay, you know, sounds cool. Sam is who Sam is and we're just gonna be okay with that.
1: Yeah, and I mean, it's way easier said than done. Like it's mm-hmm. something that definitely still, still I struggle with some days, but I mean, for the, for the most part it's it's definitely like realizing that like for the longest time I didn't think I had anything to offer anybody. Like I didn't right. think I had anything to offer the world. Whether that be like in conversation or like being a productive member of society. Now it's like today, like I, I'm not living a crazy life. I'm not making millions of dollars, but I get up and go to work, hang out with friends, go do stuff. Right. And it's like, I'm cool with that today. Like that's my life. And I'm, I, I love it, but, uh, there's definitely days that are tough, but knowing that those tough days aren't, there's better days in the future. And like, there's things I look forward to.
0: And that's there what I was go. going to ask you, you know, wrapping up, wrapping up the interview and, and you may have just already answered it. Cause that was really pretty good. <laughs> <So> <laughs> you may have blown my last question, Sam, but you know, I, I was, I was going to ask, you know, if, if there's someone out there who is like, you know, I, I hear what you're saying and I get it, but I just, I guess I don't know where to start. You know, you've yeah. had six years. You've had all this time to kind of get to this place. So when you were first trying to figure this out, and you first figured out that hey, this isn't all you know sunshine and rainbows and stuff is going to be hard. You know, and and before you were able to catch on to meditation and all this stuff, what is the the bare bones, the basic, the first thing that you employed that you used on a crap day
1: find out what you love and chase it what regardless of what it is is like go find something that you're passionate about whether it's like drawing painting listening to music going to concerts riding a bike like whatever it is it doesn't matter there's a community out there of people who like to do it too and I think that I found that in music And it was like, I would just go to random concerts and I'd met all these amazing people. And uh, that's sort of how I started building my community. And it's like, you'll find other sober people there. That was the thing is like, I'd start going to shows and I'd be like, that guy looks familiar. I've seen him somewhere. And then like, we go up to each other, we realize how we know each other. And now we're still great friends. Like, that's the cool part about it is like, I remember... I mean, Burlington, Vermont isn't that small. It's a small city, but it's not like super tiny. But uh, there's other people out there. I think I was so wrapped around my own mind of like, oh, I'm the only 18-year-old. I'm the only kid that likes hardcore music or I'm the only kid that like watches anime. You'll meet, like I started going to conventions, just started joining Facebook groups, like social network, networking with people. And like, I found other people that have the same interest in me who are, who are sober. It's like, you're not alone. And I think that was, if I could go back and tell 18 year old me that like, you're going to meet people, you're going to meet lifelong friends that are in the same stuff as you. And also sober, like, I just want to shake them and tell them that. Because for so long, I thought like, I'm never going to meet, Another person who got sober at 18. I'm never going to meet someone who likes hardcore music, who's sober. I'm never going to meet someone who's in anime, who's all sober. I'm never going to meet anybody who does action sports, who's sober. It's like, I've met all those people. It's just, yeah. it takes time, but you got to stick with it.
0: Yeah. You know, it's like when they say like attracts like. Yeah. You will attract your people. They will find you somehow.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Yeah. I that's think that right. was the, that was the big thing is just having the patience and knowing that there's always tomorrow. You may not meet them today, but you could probably meet them tomorrow.
0: Right. Right. I think that's really awesome. And just, you know, there are some really cool pictures of you at concerts.
1: Uh, <laughs> yeah. Like,
0: yeah.
1: Thank you. Uh,
0: there's this one picture, you guys, of Sam, and he's like on someone else's shoulders and you're like screaming the lyrics at the dude who's screaming the lyrics yeah. at you. <laughs> pretty yeah. awesome so that, yeah life doesn't stop being fun you know because exactly we get sober. i think
1: that that's another huge takeaway from this is like you get sober you do anything you want just don't drink and use drugs right like I, I i go to concerts that are in bars i go to events stuff like that like i go to parties i'm like i'm an average 24 year old dude i do what 24 year old dudes do i just don't drink and use drugs right and i think that's the thing again i wish i could tell myself when i was getting sober was like dude life life's going to go on you're still going to be able to do things yeah. it may take time but you'll be able to do things
0: yeah it's like we're so afraid i mean you know like like i said i it's amazing to me, you know, you and all the other young people out there who found sobriety early. I was in my third late, <laughs> late 30s. and yeah, <laughs> and you know, I think it's it's that fear that somehow I'm missing out on something yeah. that keeps us tethered to this, you know. And and even, even though you know some of us might give up drugs, it's like, oh, but I'm I'm I still have to drink because otherwise nothing's going to be fun ever again anymore and it's like no you can you can actually go dancing because i remember thinking oh i had to be wasted
1: oh yeah no it's way more fun and awkward when you're not
0: (laughs) and what did we say about awkward it's the new cool that's right
1: (laughs) it's it's great i love embarrassing my friends who like will go out to bars and stuff and like go dancing and whatever and as long as like i got my own car my own exit plan like we're good to go.
0: I, I just want you to know that when this gets uploaded to YouTube, you know I have the name of this interview.
1: Yes. i I love it. Cool. Love it.
0: I can wait. Oh my God, Sam. Thank you so much. This was fantastic. I'm so glad that you know you were. And uh, you know, I'm I'm doing these things where I'm having round tables where um I kind of come up with a question like what do you think of medically assisted treatment or, you know, what do you think of the term body brokers or what do you think of this or that or anything that has to do with recovery. And, you know, I will definitely get with you to um, be on one of our round tables. So you guys will get to see Sam again, all you young ladies, you will get to see Sam again. (laughs) (laughs) So don't worry. Um, If you guys have any questions or comments for Sam, you can leave them on the live. I will definitely post it on Facebook. You can, um, comment on the, uh, YouTube interview and he can get back to you. However, he wants to do that, you know, but, um, I just think this was awesome. And I really, really appreciate you coming back on and giving us an update and, and talking about life after recovery, after the drugs and alcohol, what comes next? I think that was so important. And I think, you know, um, you know, especially coming from a young guy, you know, or I should say, just a young person, you know, because it doesn't matter if it's male or female. Anybody who's young, I mean, I really think there is this stigma of, well, I'm going to be missing out.
1: Exactly. Exactly. Well, thank you so much for having me. I greatly appreciate it, and uh, this was a lot of fun.
0: Yes, it always is. It always is. Last time was fun. This time is fun. Next time will be fun.
1: <laughs> it's awesome. Look forward to it.
0: And so that's going to do it for, uh, this episode of the recovery scene. I'm just a mom of the podcast, Leslie, and remember two things this time. The first one, addiction isn't pretty, but recovery is beautiful. And second of all, awkward is the new cool. New cool. We'll see you next time.